Hello, and welcome to the Landis Cooperative Experience, featuring the bull bear banter. We all know that markets often behave in a way that can't easily be explained. The bull bear banter is our best effort to digest the noise of the marketplace. So thank you for joining us. Sit back, relax, and let's talk about the markets. Hello, this is Cheyenne Dunham, and I want to welcome you to the July 26th episode of the Bull Bear Banter. Today, I'm joined by Tom Guinan. Tom, can you give us a recap of the grain markets this week? Sure, Cheyenne. On Friday, corn lost about three to four cents, with September closing at 4.14 and a half. That's down about 16 this week. December corn is, uh, like I said, down about three for the day, down 11 and a quarter for the week, finishing at 4.24 and a half. On the soybean side, September beans ended the week at 888 and three quarters. November beans ended the day at 901. Those are both up about a penny and down about 18 to 18 and a half for the week. It's also been a while since we've looked at the commitment of traders report and the positions on corn and soybeans, so I thought it might be good to throw that in as well. As of last Tuesday, spec traders in corn futures and options were net long just over 187,000 contracts. For soybeans, they backed off their net short position by about 3,000 contracts and are now around 39,000 contracts short. Thanks, Tom. So I think the big story this week involves some updated information about the market facilitation program payments for the coming year. On Tuesday, USDA Secretary Purdue stated that this year's payments would have a minimum of $15 an acre, with county rates varying depending on the amount of calculated harm that that county received from the trade fights. So in other words, it's assumed that the heavy soybean counties would receive more. So that was kind of a lead in. Things were maybe going to be a little bit different this year. Um, Thursday, we saw a follow-up to that release that elaborated that payments would range from $15 an acre up to $150 an acre. Where last year's program payments were based off of corn or soybean production, remember that $1.65 for beans and a penny for corn? This year's program has payments that are calculated for each county and are going to be paid for the non-specialty crop acres a producer planted in 2019. Are you confused yet? There's a lot of information to digest there, Cheyenne, so let's look at an example. So in other words, a grower in Carroll County, Iowa this year will receive $67 per acre for their total acres planted this year, whether they planted corn or soybeans. A grower in Butler County, Iowa will receive $64 an acre. For a complete list of payments each county will receive, you can look at the USDA's website or check our website for a link to that website. Thanks, Tom. So yeah, we previously thought the payments would be based off what a grower planted last year. So this is a little different. There's still a limitation. A producer's total payment eligible plantings can't exceed what they planted in 2018. And of course, a lot of more people this year are in the boat of what if we were unable to plant? So this program lists that producers who filed for prevent plant claims and planted a MFP eligible cover crop by August 1st will qualify for that $15 an acre payment. So they still get something out of it, but obviously not that $150 that some counties are eligible for. So payments for this program are going to be divided up into two or three rounds with the second and third to be evaluated as market conditions and trade opportunities dictate. So in other words, if things start sounding better with China, there's potential we won't see one of those later payments. The first payment for this program will be mid to late August and will be the higher of either 50% of a producer's calculated payment or $15 an acre. Applications for this payment are expected to be available starting Monday, July 29th. So there 
you know, we just saw this news th- on Thursday. They're really moving on getting this process started there. Well, I think that's really good information. And like we said, I think it's uh, important for every farmer to check with, uh, you know, check that website for sure so you know what's going on in your county. And once you get a chance to talk to your folks at the county office, talk with them as well if you want some more information. So let's jump into some bull bear factors. And on corn for the bull factors, I think this week's crop progress report showing a 1% slip in the good to excellent rating to 57% is at the top of my list. Most analysts were expecting it to hold steady or maybe even approve slightly. Crop silking for corn is at 35%, well behind the average of 66%, and only 5% of the crop is in the dough stage compared to the 10% average the last five years. Tom, most of our listeners are knowledgeable grain marketers and even more experienced growers, but I know we have some that are just stepping into the world of grain and using this podcast as a learning tool. So for them, can we explain a little more about what we mean by silking and the dough stage? Absolutely, Cheyenne. I think anybody that's ever shucked an ear of corn knows what we mean by silk. But from a crop perspective, silk emergence is the first recognized stage of that reproductive period. They capture pollen grains, which then germinate and develop pollen tubes, eventually leading to the fertilization of the ovule. Silks remain receptive to pollen grain germination for up to 10 days after they emerge, but deteriorate quickly after about the first five days of emergence. Silk emergence usually occurs in close synchrony with pollen shed, but failures of silks to emerge, for example during a severe drought, can raise concern about successful pollination. So I think there was some concern during those really hot days about heat stress potentially affecting yield, and that's something that I think we've kind of at least gotten through here in Iowa there'll be some concern if those uh, high, hot temps come back and uh, affect those folks in Illinois and Indiana. The dough stage is a couple more stages down in the development process. It occurs about 24 to 26 days after silking when the kernel's milky inner fluid begins changing to a doughy consistency as starch accumulation continues in the endosperm. At this point, kernels have reached about 50% of their mature dry weight and kernel moisture content is approximately 70% at the beginning of this stage. This is a stage right before the more talked about dent stage, but maybe more on that as we get a little closer to harvest. Thanks, Tom. A little bit off the path there, but it's kind of tough to feed the bull this week. On the bear side, a little easier game. The break in the heat wave has been encouraging for much of the corn belt, as the cooler temperatures are helpful as more of the crop reaches the pollination stage. On top of that, ethanol production continues to be disappointing, coming in at 305 million gallons this week. That was down 8 million from the previous week and the lowest production rate in 11 weeks. Also, Russia and Ukraine are on pace to have a record crop of 33 million metric tons. That's assuming normal weather throughout their growing season. Although South America gets a lot of attention, the Black Sea region is becoming a bigger player in the world market. Just something to think about. In the global market, it's not a one-stop shop when it comes to grain. Good info. On the soybean side for bull factors, we saw a report on Wednesday morning showing that China's government has given tariff exemptions to five companies so that they can purchase up to 3 million metric tons of soybeans from the U.S. The idea is that we could see further purchases of U.S. soybeans depending on how the trade talks progress. Soybean crop progress is a similar story to corn. Monday's report showed about 40% of the U.S. bean crop was blooming compared to the average of 66% and 7% were setting pods versus that five-year average of 28%. No changes were made in the good to excellent ratings for soybeans this week, and we've heard talk in the country of bugs really being tough on the soybeans this year. Make sure you're talking with your FSA and keeping an eye on your fields. 
on the bear side for soybeans, while the market facilitation program news is positive for the individual producer that was concerned about making money at these prices, it seems to be putting downward pressure on the markets. On top of that, the USDA announced a cancellation of 100,000 metric tons of soybeans for delivery to unknown destinations for the current marketing year. While some are questioning the size of our U.S. crop and using it as a reason to support the market, demand being just as much, if not more, up in the air also seems to be something we need to focus on and be thinking about. So Cheyenne, we come to that part of the podcast where we like to ask the question, why does any of this or all of this matter? If we want to come full circle with the news about the market facilitation payments, We really think that should give producers the security needed to be comfortable with pricing grain at these levels. Depending on where your acres are and your yields, that could calculate out to over 30 cents on corn and around $1.35 per bushel on beans. Use that information wisely as you get a better idea of what your yields will be in the coming weeks. Thanks, Tom. Our What to Watch for and upcoming events revolve a lot around the USDA information. Just a reminder that that application for the MFP payment should be available starting Monday, July 29th, so keep an eye on USDA's Farmers.gov website for more information on that. Again, we'll try linking something up on our website so you have easier access. That's something you're going to want to talk to your your county FSA agent and make sure you have all your paperwork lined up to be qualified for that. And then the USDA's WASDE report is going to be out that Monday, August 12th. It's a little unusual to see these on a Monday, but it could provide some excitement as we expect to see updated acreage numbers from the resurvey that was done following that June report. Cheyenne, as you and I talked, I think on that August 12th, we should do just a quick podcast update and get that out on that Monday afternoon too. So be looking for that kind of late Monday afternoon. We'll try to update the podcast so you have that as well. So I know we've talked about the tweet of the week, and last week we had some pretty good uh, This Week in History stuff to talk about, but let's go a little different route today. Um, Here's a fun fact. Did you know that it was once illegal to tip in Iowa? This law was passed in July of 1915. Both the giver and the receiver of the tip were subject to arrest. A 10-day jail term and a fine of between $5 and $25 could result in that. Some of the more famous offenders of this law were President and Mrs. Woodrow Wilson, though I really couldn't find out whether or not the law was enforced with them or if they ever spent any time in jail because of it. Thanks, Tom. I would definitely consider that to be a fun fact. We appreciate everyone joining us for the Bull Bear Banter as part of the Landis Cooperative Experience podcast. We look forward to your comments and questions. Just drop us an email to podcast at landiscooperative.com. As we've been talking for a while now, our tagline continues to make sense. Bears make money, bulls make money, and pigs just go to market. If you have any questions regarding grain marketing decisions, please reach out to your area grain marketing advisor. Thank you for listening. Tom and I are both out next week, but we're going to have a special segment there and a market update. Thanks again. (music) 